0: Let me talk to you just a few minutes, can I? And, and I guess you could say we're beginning the sermon here, okay? But I just wanna talk to, I, I just wanna talk to you. I, I really felt this from God. I just need to talk to you for a few minutes. Everybody needs passion in their life. Everybody needs to be passionate about right things. When, when you're passionate about wrong things, bad stuff happens. When, 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 you, when, when your passion is unbridled, you you see temper, temper tantrums. You see actions that take place as a result of temper. Also, when passions are unbridled, if it's you know if it's in a if it's in a sexual way, then then, then you see you see I mean unbridled lust will take you take you to a lot of places you don't ever want to be. And you'll wake up one day wondering how in the world did I get here. But we all need passion. God gave us passion. We all need to have passion. About seven eight. Man, getting close to nine years ago now. God, God gave me a passion to plant a church. We've just been launched this twenty nine eleven, a little over six years. This was in me a long time before that, and that, that is to, to to plant a church that is is not for everybody, not for everybody, but it's for anybody. A church that doesn't want to just. Uh, be another stop on the road. You know, there's a lot of folks out there. They just kind of jump around churches, you know, and they'll be coming through here one day. You know, I kind of in a way, you know, ask God, Lord, make us be so different. Those people don't like it here, that they'll just make this a quick stop on their way to the next place. Because that's not who we are. That's not what this is about. What this is about is this is about those who don't have any church background or those who were in church and got hurt and coming back. That, that That was the passion that God laid on my heart. And now, over half of us, that's exactly who we are. If you were in church before coming to 29 11, then you're in the minority this morning. That's an awesome thing. And this year, 2015, preached a uh, sermon series on it. It's not something I've forgotten just because that sermon series is over. But the passion God laid on my heart for prayer for you and for my, for my preaching and also, also even pushing our leaders is about seeing one changed life. I'm praying, I'm asking God, 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 give me the sermons that help people get to that place to become one truly changed life. Not, not another name on the roll, not you know, a place to sit for an hour and 15 minutes or so on Sunday morning, but a truly changed changed life. That's my prayer for you this morning. That's what I'm believing God to do in you. That's why, that's why sermons, to me, sermons aren't like, you know, kind of like just meals. Sometimes we relate them to meals, but it's like meals don't necessarily connect to one another, right? I mean, breakfast doesn't have to connect to lunch. I mean, it normally doesn't, right? I want something different for lunch than I have for breakfast. But, but those meals together... They nourish our bodies, they strengthen our bodies, they, they, they grow our bodies, and, and that's the way sermons do, but I, I see sermons as so much more than that, is that sermons aren't just these individual things that we pick up and we choose, but every single one of them is connecting in some way, if, if God's in charge of it's connecting in some way to, to take us somewhere. And that's why I believe God has led me to this sermon series that I'm going to be preaching to you for the next few weeks, To Be Continued to be continued. That the work that God has started in you is not over, it's to be continued. That when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't over. It was to be continued. When he got up out of the grave on the third day, that wasn't the end of it. That wasn't the end of the ministry. That wasn't the end of the mission. Oh, it was to be continued. And not just... uh, now you need to continue attending church. Now you need to continue paying your tithes. Now you need to continue going to small group. No, it's, it's, it's that, think about, the, think about the, the, the walk, how your walk has changed from, from uh, accepting Christ when you were in your sins and, and all of the stuff. And, and now that change that you made, it's like, wow, it's a night and day. It's almost like a turning around. That's what has to continue. It's not just, doing this one little thing, just attending church or whatever, but, the, but, but this amazing transformation is what's got to change. The walk, the steps that you're taking, the growth, you got to continue that. And like I, I related to last week about how our, our, our kids are going to follow us, they're not going to follow us in what we are, they're going to follow us in where we go. They're not going follow to follow us as who we have become. They're going to follow us in, in the, the way we live our life, the things that we do in a the day to day. They're going to follow our walk, not follow our who we are. And what, what God calls us to in continuing is not just to be something, but to become even more. Because there's nobody in this room, not a one of us, that has yet become everything you can be through Jesus Christ. That we all must continue we must continue the walk. And if we don't, if we don't continue, to not continue, to, to say, no, I, I'm, I'm good where I'm at, to not continue is disobedience because he, could, he calls us to continue. Keep getting better. Keep going deeper. You first came to church and you just heard a bunch of songs. But then all of a sudden, the songs became more than just songs. The words began impacting your heart, and you began hearing messages, and then, and then you finally get to a place that, boom, you along with a few others maybe in a service have a moment where the Holy Spirit says, listen to me right there, continue. And to not do that is it's disobedience. It's, 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 it's really rebellion. It's a rebellion of inactivity. Can you think about that. Did you know you can be rebellious and not do anything? You know, like a little brat sitting in front of a TV, and you tell it to get up and go you know, clean, clean up its room, you know? and he just sits there in front of the TV, he doesn't move, you know? Just a little brat just sits there, you know, and doesn't do anything. He's in rebellion, and he's not doing anything. You know, when it's time to do something and we don't do it, then we're we're in rebellion, even if we're not doing anything. And sometimes we can be brats with God. Come on. Come on, let's be honest. We can be brats. We can say, no, God, uh, you know, God, this was a lot easier back a few months ago. God, you didn't require so much. God, you didn't you didn't need me to invite somebody to church when I first came to know you, and now you want me to invite somebody to church? Oh no! And you want we just want to sit there in front of the TV? We want to sit there in front of the show, and in our inactivity, we're rebelling against God because He can, He says you got to continue because if we don't, it's It's an arrogance, really. It's disobedience, rebellion, but it's an arrogance. When we say, I need you to forgive me of my sins, but I don't need you to help me know how to live. That's an arrogance. To not continue. To develop and grow and to hear his voice and, and to say, what do you have for me now? What do you want me to do next? And, and where should I go? And who should I, who should I minister to? What, what, what have you got next for me, God? And what do I need to fix? Because it, it, really, when God found you, you were a mess, right? Anybody? Anybody? You were a mess, right, when God found you? When, when, you, when you accepted Christ, you were a mess. But you know what? You didn't become perfect overnight. Jamie alluded to that just a few moments ago when she was talking about how he died for us. Even when we were in our sins, we weren't perfect. And even when we first accepted Christ, we still weren't perfect. Think about Simon Peter. He is is a great, great example of this. You remember? Because he's been walking around with Jesus now for three years. He he has gotten the commission, follow after me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's what Jesus told him. And now he's going around and he is witnessing miracles. He is even being a part of miracles. He's handing out the loaves and the fish and seeing God do an amazing miracle. He's going down and catching a fish and finding a coin in his mouth. He is, he is part of the miracles. And then on the night before his death when, when Jesus is being arrested, Simon Peter, he's not perfect yet. He pulls out his sword. You know, it kind of sounds strange to us to even think. He, he, he had a sword? He pulled out his sword and he cut off a servant's ear. He wasn't perfect yet. He had to continue. If Jesus had just raised from the dead and just just headed on back to heaven, he would have left the disciples in a mess, especially Simon Peter. Simon Peter had a lot to do with the Christian church being birthed. preached the very first sermon in the book of Acts, chapter 2. He was instrumental in the leadership in leading the disciples in the early church. Imagine if Jesus had left him where he was in his understanding and in his, he had a passion, but his passion was misguided. His passion oftentimes became temper. His passion many times got him in trouble. And if God had left him there and that's how he had birthed the church or he was growing the church and he was training the church and, and, and that was what was instilled in the church instead of what was instilled in us, Imagine if we were still following the ways of the old Simon Peter. Every time somebody offended somebody else in the church or did something, we'd have to whack off an ear. About 90% of us would be sitting here with only one ear. And probably the other 10 would be sitting here without any ears because we'd have both of them cut off, right? I mean, when, when Jesus first comes and re- rescues you, you aren't perfect. You know why? Yes, your, your past is forgiven. All of those sins, all of that. But you've still got a future to walk out. And, and in walking out that future, you've got this old life that is still hanging on to you. You've still got your friends. You've still got family. You've still got habits. I mean, Maybe for you, but for most of us, our habits don't go away like that when we say, Father, forgive me, for I've sinned. Become my Savior, my Lord. And we've still got habits. And so that's why we can't just sit down where we are and just come to, we got to continue. we got to find those, there are, there are pieces of our old life that, yes, are going to hang on. If you're married, you're still going to have the same wife. Getting saved does not cancel your marriage, okay? If you've got kids, you know yeah, you're still gonna have those kids. You got, you're still gonna have, there are some things that are gonna hang on. You're probably not gonna change jobs tomorrow. Now, you might have a job that, yeah, you probably do need to change if you become a Christian. There are a few jobs out there like that. But for most of us, there's a lot of things in our life that are gonna continue on. But in, in those first days, weeks, months, and even years sometimes, it is a learning and a growing process that we have to begin to think about relationships that are dumping bad stuff into our lives about habits that we do. And, and I know some of you, you're immediately thinking of two or three things, right? But there's a whole lot more habits that are detrimental to our lives than those two or three big ones you guys are thinking of right now. Things we do, things we watch, places we go. Certain things we allow into our lives. And so these first times, there they are, they are moments where we've got to, kind of got to get it all together. And, and, and if Jesus just lets us sit where we are, We're like Simon Peter. We're just waiting on the right moment to make the biggest mistake of our life and lop off somebody's ear if we don't continue on. And maybe it's not that. Maybe anger isn't your issue. Maybe a temper isn't your issue. But maybe it's something else. Whatever it is, well, not maybe, it's a definite, that it is something else. And so every one of us must continue that this walk with Christ was designed to be continued. So today, this this first message in this this series, the the message is gonna be short because the introduction was about 10 minutes long, It's 50 Forgotten Days, 50 forgotten. Would you pray with me? God, I I ask you, Lord, of all this, Lord, God, that you just let pour out of my spirit today because God, I believe you poured it out of your spirit into my spirit. God, all of this, Lord, that is just now poured out, I, I just pray that, God, every one of us, me included, Lord, I'm not a man standing on a, uh, on, on a, on a pinnacle, Lord, looking down. I'm a, I'm a man standing among men, Lord, that says, God, me too, me too, show me how to continue this walk so I become, I become stronger in you. I become greater at everything you call me to do and to be, Lord. Lord. That I'm a I'm a better friend. I'm a better husband. I'm a better I'm a better dad and a better a better granddad. That I, I, God I, I'm working at all those things. God I pray that you help us, Lord. In, in this in this sermon series and beginning with this this day right now today, Lord I pray, God help us find and see it, Lord, and make it all happen. God and receive it receive it, Lord. I pray help us, Lord, today in Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. So let's talk about fifty first days, okay? Because it was to be continued. You remember, Jesus got out of the grave. Okay, the, the weekend that Jesus was crucified on Friday, and he got out of the grave on Sunday, the third day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that weekend was Passover. Between that weekend and a weekend we call Pentecost, which is coming up actually next weekend, okay, it's coming up next weekend, so this is kind of almost an introduction to that for you, there were seven weeks, and, 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 or 50 days. And that's the 50 days that I'm talking about that are often forgotten because it's 50 days that we don't preach about. We preach about all the stories in, in, in the uh, New Testament. We preach about the stories in, in the Gospels. We preach about the stories in the, in the book of Acts except for a lot of these things in these 50 days after Jesus was crucified until, the Penteco- until Pentecost happened, which was the birth of the church. But don't get ahead of me right here, Okay. So let's look, if we can, real quick at these 50 days, and beginning with the first 40 days, all right? And in Acts chapter one, verse three, it says, after his suffering, talking about Jesus being crucified on the cross, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, disciples and his followers, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Many convincing proofs. You're gonna see that in this list in a minute. You're gonna realize that there's a whole lot more evidence than you ever realized that Jesus Christ did raise from the dead. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And so a lot of times I think we get in our mind that Jesus gets up out of the, out of the grave, you know, uh, on Sunday morning and he just kind of heads back to heaven. No, he was here 40 more days. Now let me give you a list real quick. We're not going to preach through this list. But here's a list of uh, uh, of the things that we know that he did during those 40 days. He surprised Mary. And listen, if, if you'll go to the Sunday's page, you can find the scripture. We got the scripture reference right out there beside it, so if you wanna, you wanna know where all these are referenced. He surprised Mary. I, I threw this one in there first because, you know, Jesus was God, but he made us in his image. So sometimes we're a little mischievous, you know, or sometimes we like to poke a little fun. Jesus did too, okay? I wanted to, throw, I wanted to remind you, this is who he is. And he, he just stayed true to that. He kind of surprised Mary there. He kind of poked out. You just read that. In the book of John, it's really kind of cute the way he, he kind of uh, plays a little bit with her there. And then he traveled uh, unknown or incognito to Emmaus, walked with a couple of disciples and didn't let them know who he was. He, uh, he walked through a wall. Why in the world would he have to walk through a wall? I mean, he could just open the door, right? But he walked through a wall to remind us of something. He wanted to remind us that his kingdom was spiritual. And that there's more going on in the spirit realm than there is in the physical realm. And we need to remember that today. We get so caught up in everything going on around us in the physical realm, we forget about the spiritual realm. We spend an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning thinking about the spirit realm, and a lot of people don't think about it anymore the rest of the week. But there is so much more going on in your life in the spirit realm all day long, all week long, than is ever going on in the physical realm. It's just that you see, and so you begin you begin focusing on that. Jesus walked through a wall. The scripture reference is there, if you want to go and read it later, that he walked through the wall. I mean, he had to because the doors were shut. And he worked one more miracle of provision. And a really cool, the miracle that he worked was, it was the exact same miracle that he worked when he was first calling Simon Peter to be his disciple. Jesus now comes back and he works it one more time. And so what is he doing? Listen, here's what I think he's doing. One of the things is he's tying these 40 days into those first three years. He's telling them that, listen, that's not over. I am still the same God. Yes, I was, I was in the grave for three days, but I am still the same God. And the calling that I put on your life to be fishers of men, it's still, it's still valid. It's still there. There are very, very, very few miracles that are repeated in Scripture, but this is one of them. And Jesus repeats it with the exact same people because he is trying to show them my ministry and what I've called you to do is to be continued. Uh, and then he, he cooked breakfast. Uh, and, and he ate with them. You know, and, and there again to show you just the humanity of who he is. I'm still the same God. You can still come to me. Now that I am resurrected, I'm not any different than, than who I was. The, the difference is not that he has become any greater, the difference is we didn't realize how great he was until he died and rose again. He was just a man when he was walking around teaching. But now, he's an amazing God who's come out of the grave. And so we're like, oh, wow. But he wants us to know, I'm the same God. You just didn't recognize it before. And so, so when we continue this walk with him, what we're going to realize is we're going to begin realizing how amazing and awesome and powerful he is. But he's still the same God that just wants to wrap you up in his arms and pull you close. When you're having a tough day, who wants to solve your problems and meet your needs and take care of you? He assured Peter of restoration. Peter denied him three times, and, and Jesus, Jesus challenged him three times to say, "Do you love me?" And he so, and he gave Peter a personal commission. He said, "Feed my sheep." Told him three times. Uh, he went to see his brother James. Jesus went to see his his brother James, and he held one last crusade with over five people, okay? So there's over 500 people that witnessed that Jesus Christ had raised from the dead. Jesus held one last crusade with over 500 people. He commissioned all disciples everywhere. Uh, in Matthew 28, 19, 20, uh, uh, there in Acts chapter 1, we have several places where it's recorded where he challenges all of us to go into the world and be, and be his witnesses. And then he promised power and impact. And that was, that, that was like, this was the conclusion of his 40 days. He promises power and impact. And we see it in Acts chapter one, verse eight. This is specifically where he says it. In Acts one, verse eight, he tells the disciples, just before he's about to go into heaven, after those 40 days, on the 40th day, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he promises Power. He's saying, look, when I leave, the power's not going anywhere. The power part of God is the Holy Spirit. And and, and, boy, I don't have time to to preach you this whole message, but let me just throw this at you real quick, is that Jesus did not begin his ministry until he was about 30 years old. Okay, and in those 30 years, as far as we know, he never worked a miracle. Could he have? Of course, he is God. But he didn't. He did not work a miracle until... Something else he did. He was baptized in the water by his cousin, his earthly cousin, John the Baptist. And when he was baptized in the water, the father spoke out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased listen to him. And and then we see that there was something come out of heaven, looked like a dove that came and lit on Jesus. And it was the Holy Spirit that came and lit on Jesus. So there we see the Trinity of God that I don't understand. Okay. I I don't get it. You know, we can discuss it all day, but I am not going to get how three is one and one is three. Okay. But there they are. They're all together. And the Holy Spirit of God, which is the power part of God, it comes and, and lights on Jesus as if like an anointing. And when he is anointed with that, now Jesus begins his ministry. And just as he is beginning his ministry, now he's telling them that that when I leave, it's not over, it's to be continued. Because in just a few days, the Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to rest on you. And when the Holy Spirit rests on you, then you also are going to have power. And you're gonna have power with me, not just here in these few places or the places that we've roamed over the last three years. This is to be continued, to be continued in all parts of the earth through you and through those that you reach and through the ones that they reach. And it's gonna be continued and continue to continue. So he promises us power. Here, here listen. Jesus was leaving us the keys to the kingdom. But he wasn't leaving us the keys kind of like, I know we got a lot of people on vacation this weekend, and I think we got a bunch of them on vacation next weekend. I, I'm planning one, uh, but it looks like it's going to be September before I can get around to it or whatever. But, you know, and you know what I got to do? I got to pick up a key when I get there. But Jesus isn't leaving us the keys under the mat because we're going to have a weekend vacation. It's not like every Sunday we pick up the keys and we have a vacation here in the kingdom. He is leaving us the keys to the kingdom because he's leaving us in charge of the kingdom work. It's to be continued. You and I, we've been given, we've been given the keys to the kingdom because we're in charge of the kingdom. Nobody else is. Jesus isn't showing up later today to, to, to handle things. You and I, we're in charge of the kingdom. That's why we have to continue the walk. Because it's not just enough for me to just continue to sit in church, to just be here. i got to continue the walk. i got to keep going. i got to keep walking to continue the walk because we're in charge of the kingdom. And what happens if, if we don't take care of the, what happens to the building if you don't take care of the building? I mean, this is very specific. I skipped over the scripture because I'm in a hurry. Matthew 19, 16, Jesus specifically says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. We have been given the keys to the kingdom because he has left us in charge. Because his ministry, his kingdom, even here on this earth, is to be continued. And you and I have to make that happen. Now, the next, the next 10 days. Okay, it begins with uh, this moment with, with Jesus and the disciples on the top of the mountain. And he's, he, he's talking to them about a little bit. And over the last 40 days, he's talked to them about the kingdom. And now he's saying, I'm going back. And, and, and he, he says, I'm promising you the power is coming and all of this. And, and he says, and I, and I, w- I want you to go wait in Jerusalem. That's where the power is going to come upon you. And, and so he's telling them all this. And so then Jesus ascends up into heaven, into the heavens, and the disciples are just staring up. I can just see them there with their mouths open, you know kind of looking like a bunch of redneck Bubba's, you know, I just like, did you see that Bubba? You know, what kind of a thing. I mean, that's just like, that's amazing. You know, did anybody get that? Can we post that on Facebook today? You know, I hope, you know, but I mean, it's like, wow, did you see that? I mean, that's what they did because there were some angels that were present there also, and the angels asked them a question. What are you doing still standing here? Why are you looking into heaven? Okay, that's a good question for us today, isn't it? Because he called us to continue. He didn't call us to stand in this place. He said, keep going. Here he asks the disciples, why do you stand here looking into the sky? You're waiting on, you're waiting on Jesus. He's, he's told you. He's told you this is not the place where the power is going to fall on you and you're going to be witnesses. Not here on this mountain. Why are you still standing here? Because Jesus told him, You know, remember, and he told him. I think Jesus, and, and maybe um, he didn't say it in these two words, but it's kind of like, to me, the first oxymoron in all of history. You don't know what an oxymoron is? You know? It's like two words that mean exact. I mean, it's what he said. He said, go, wait, right? You ever been told anything like that? And you're like, which do I do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes I feel like God has told me something. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Am I supposed to go or am I supposed to wait? But what Jesus was telling them was go and wait so you can go. In Acts 1, verse 4, 5, he said, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, the, the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, and so he tells them now, go, wait, go, wait, and go. Go to Jerusalem and wait, because then when the Spirit falls, then you're going to go and you're going to go into all the world, and not them, not just those those eleven guys standing there with Jesus, twelve minus Judas is eleven, you know, plus the others. There were more than just him standing there, uh, them standing there on the mount with him, but not just those, but those they would reach. So it, was, it didn't mean that Simon Peter would go into all the world all by himself. It meant that Simon Peter and Thomas and, and James and, and, and all the disciples they would they would go out in the world, and those would go out in the world, and, those would, and so. That's how it is to be continued, through me and you. We are the continuation of the move of God's Spirit, first on Jesus, then on the disciples there in the the book of Acts, chapter 2. We are the continuation of that, and it is to be continued. He, 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 he 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 has given us that. He has called us to that. He has challenged us with that. And the first thing we've got to do is, and, and what uh, the disciples here were maybe struggling with is they were just staring up into heaven. Do you see that bubble, bubble kind of thing? You know, Is they had to learn to hear God. When he tells us go and wait it's say, in the same breath, I mean, what do you do? You have to learn to hear from God. I, I, I've been talking to you about that the last several weeks because you were beginning to get this some of you are really beginning to get this. You're beginning to hear God's voice. You're beginning to realize that he is speaking, that you, that you didn't realize that every Sunday he is trying to speak to you. Every single Sunday, in every sermon he is trying to speak to you, in every song he is trying to speak to you, in every moment he is trying to speak to you that you, you, you didn't realize. And yet he says. Yet he says and he speaks and he speaks and he says and he calls and he, and he directs and he, and he guides and, and we're not hearing it. some of you are beginning to hear, you need to really grasp The importance and the power of hearing God because the last point I want to give you and I'm gonna give it to you after we come to the front but that last point I'm gonna give you it it proves more than any other point that I could probably make to you why you need to understand that there is power in hearing God but just briefly before I ask you to the front let me tell you about that last day that 50th day I'm not gonna say a lot here because this is really kind of just introductory we're going to get there in a couple of weeks. This is kind of, next week we're going to be baptized and we're going to talk about in this same, same, same area here, but we're going to get to this really in a couple of weeks. But the 50th day was a day called Pentecost. It was the day that the Holy Spirit finally showed up for 10 days. 10 days the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem. For 10 days they were praying. For 10 days they were together. I, I was a, two, of, two of the big things I see as they were waiting in those 10 days, here they are, listen to this. If you're going to continue, get this is they had unity, and they prayed. It said that they were together in one mind and one accord, and they were saying, we're here to hear from God. We're here to hear from me. This is why we, we know why we're here. We know why we're together. We know why we're called together as a church. 2911 is called to reach those who don't have a church home, you know, to reach those who, who don't know Jesus, who, who, who never have known him, or maybe they've walked away. We know who we are. We have a unity in that. And then they prayed, and they waited They waited to hear from God. Those are the two big things we need to learn about hearing from God. But here, let me me tell you three quick little things about this this 50th day. It's called Pentecost. Now, today, when you say Pentecost or Pentecostal, you're talking about a certain type of church people that that believe in, some people say, well, they believe in the charismatic, which means the gifts of the Spirit. They believe in the Holy Spirit. They believe in this or that or the other. Well, that's really not what the word Pentecost means, but it's come to be known as that, okay? The word Pentecost actually means 50th. So you know where that comes from? Right. The last festival that they had was Passover. Jesus was crucified. 50 days later, on the 50th day, was Pentecost. That's a Greek word that means 50th. And so they just counted 50 days, and so they began calling that next festival because that next festival kind of had several, it kind of went through several transformations. So they began calling it the festival of Pentecost or the festival of, of seven weeks. There were seven weeks after Pentecost or, the, or after Passover, and so they began calling it that. So it really means 50. So duh, that don't, that don't really have anything to do with who we are either. I mean, we're the 50th, and that word doesn't mean us anything either. So really this word, so here's what I'm trying to tell you about this word Pentecostal, don't get hung up on what that word means. I'm going to give you my definition. You know, and All this really matters is that I'm pastor of this particular church. I mean, it doesn't have any bearing on anything else, okay? It doesn't mean that the Pope's going to change his mind about Pentecost. It doesn't mean that the church down the street's going to change their mind about Pentecost. But here's what I believe Pentecost really means. When you say you're Pentecostal, this is what it means. It means that you believe that 2,000 years ago, after the book of Acts, that we're going to get into in two weeks, That when that was over, the Holy Spirit didn't go off into a corner somewhere and go to sleep. But that he is still active and alive and working through his power in the lives of those who are continuing to walk in Jesus. And so I I, I don't just invite you, I encourage you. I implore you, I want you to be a changed life this year. And what I I, I just challenge you to do and to be is to keep continuing, keep walking, to see the power of God begin to really be manifest in your life. And and I know some of you have seen some weird stuff. Come on, y'all want to tell stories right now? I mean, we can tell some weird stories about some weird stuff we've seen. That ain't Pentecost. Pentecost is about the power of God changing your life every single day, not for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, but changing who you are and changing everything about your life every single day of your life. Can I ask you to join me at the front, if you will? If you're a first-time attender, let me just tell you we like to close with a final thought, final prayer, and a final song in, down front, just all of us together. Kind of helps in that, uh, that Acts chapter one stuff of unity and prayer. And we know why we're here. Today we're here to talk about the power of God. I need the power of God in my life. I want the power of God. I desire the power of God in my life. I got I ask you this question every once in a while. I'm asking again this morning. How many of you need God to do something amazing in your life? Raise your hand. I need God to do something amazing in my life. You know, I like to see that because I like to see that you are, yes, I'm ready for something amazing. But God also wants you to realize, he wants you to see your hand go up and say, yes, I'm ready. You choose to be ready for that. Ready for the power. You need to hear God, but when you begin to hear God and you begin to walk in what you're hearing, you're going to begin to see the power of God manifest. Let me tell you what that means, okay? Just real quick. We're going to read one little thing up here in just a second. It's not up there, no good. Um, let Let me just tell you that when you begin hearing God, he's going to start working because I know a lot of times we think about, well, you know, I'm not sick, so I don't need a healing. Why do I need the power of God? Where's the mess in your life? That's where you need the power of God. Where do things not matter, do not match up right now? Where's the confusion at in your life? That's where you need the power of God. You know, where's the battle? That's where you need the power of God. Where's the struggle? Where, where's, the, where's the thing you can't get past? Where, you know, is it the boss? Is, is, is it some class in school? Wh- wh- wherever it is, wherever the struggle, wherever the battle is, that's where you need the power of God. And what the Holy Spirit in you will be, will be the thing that helps you finally get over that, break through that, to bring, to bring peace in that place of confusion, to bring healing in that troubled marriage. To bring that 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 kid home that you hadn't seen forever that stomped out and you never saw him again to bring him home to bring reconciliation to, to between two best friends that have been estranged for forever to bring a a financial miracle yes healings there too but it's so much more than just that wherever that's what the Holy Spirit would do in your life and not on it, it it's not about me laying a hand on you this morning and say be healed it's about the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, your financial needs be met. It's about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does that. He, he, he's not bound by an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. Thank God. Because most of my problems don't happen in this hour and 15 minutes. Come on, I, I should have got an amen on that one. Yeah, right. Most of my problems don't happen right here. Most of my problems happen out there. When you aren't around to pray for me. When you aren't there and I can't get a hold of you for, with a text, I can't get a, I can't get a hold of you, I, that's when I need the, That's what the Holy Spirit wants to be. You say, well, I don't have to have the Holy Spirit come sit on the chair every Sunday. No, but you need to continue. Hollenbeck, uh, is it Roy Hollenbeck, John Hollenbeck, What? I forget the first name, for this quote I've got here, Roy Hollenbeck, had it right the first time. Awesome word right here, listen to this. We can work for God without any special empowerment. We cannot work with him apart from the Holy Spirit. That's good. You need to hear that. Oh, you can work for him, and a lot of people are. They work for him without any special empowerment, and they're working for him, but you can't work with him without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't be in sync with him. You can't hear his voice and be working and knowing that you're working. And so, you know, and you know what happens a lot of times? We know that God's got a will and things that he wants to do in life. But what happens a lot of times is we begin to substitute our work for his work. And we start doing our thing instead of his, and we don't even realize it. Why? Because we don't have the Holy Spirit that is helping us stay in sync with him. But when we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to begin operating in our lives, I'm not talking about an hour and 15 minutes, some shouting service or something like that that some of you grew up in. I'm talking about when we allow the Holy Spirit to operate in our lives outside these four walls. When we allow the Holy Spirit to begin operating in our lives, then we are in a sync with him. And we begin praying prayers that begin to be answered. We begin calling things that weren't and they begin to be. Because we're not working for him, we're working with him. And he is guiding the miracles that need to take place in our lives. So I want to pray this prayer over you real quick. Jamie's going to lead you in a final song. I want to pray that the, that the Holy Spirit of God begins to operate in your life, that you begin to hear him, and that when you begin to step and to continue that walk, that the Holy Spirit of God begins to come upon you.